0: And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, open my lips. And my mouth shall declare thy praise. O God, come to my assistance. O Lord, make haste to help me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
1: As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
0: Holy Holy God, holy holy strong strong one, one, holy immortal immortal one,
1: one. have have mercy mercy upon upon us.
0: us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.
1: Holy God,
0: holy Holy strong strong one, one, holy Holy immortal immortal one, one, have mercy upon upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Holy God, holy Holy strong one, one, holy Holy immortal one, one. have Have mercy mercy upon upon us. us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. To thee, O blessed Trinity, be praise and honor and thanksgiving forever and ever.
1: Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are filled with thy glory. Glory be to the
0: Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. To thee, O blessed Trinity, be praise and honor and thanksgiving forever and ever.
1: Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are filled with thy glory.
0: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. To thee, O blessed Trinity, be praise and honor and thanksgiving forever and ever.
1: Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are filled with thy glory.
0: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
1: As it was in the beginning, is
0: now, and will be forever. Amen. To thee, O blessed Trinity, be praise and honor and thanksgiving forever and ever.
1: Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are filled with thy glory. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever.
0: Amen. To thee, O blessed Trinity, be praise and honor and thanksgiving, forever and ever. Holy, holy, holy Lord,
1: God of hosts, heaven and earth are filled with thy glory. Glory
0: be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. To thee, O blessed Trinity, be praise and honor and thanksgiving forever and ever.
1: Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are filled with thy glory.
0: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. To thee, O blessed Trinity, be praise and honor and thanksgiving forever and ever.
1: Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are filled with thy glory. Glory be to the Father,
0: and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. To thee, O blessed Trinity, be praise and honor and thanksgiving forever and ever.
1: Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are filled with thy glory.
0: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. To Thee, O Blessed Trinity, be praise and honor and thanksgiving forever and ever.
1: Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are filled with Thy glory.
0: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
1: As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
0: God the Father, unbegotten, only begotten Son, and holy Spirit, the Comforter, Holy and Undivided Trinity, with all our hearts we acknowledge Thee. Glory to Thee forever. Let us bless the Father and the Son with the Holy Spirit.
1: Be praised and exalted above all things forever.
0: Let us pray. Almighty, ever living God, who has permitted us, Thy servants, in our profession of the true faith, to acknowledge the glory of the Eternal Trinity and in the power of that majesty to adore the unity, grant that by steadfastness in this same faith, we may be ever guarded against all adversity. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Amen. Set Set us us free, free. save Save us, us. vivify us, O blessed Trinity. Trinity. Welcome everybody to another episode of Transregret Snoopy presents the Bible. What you just heard was a prayer called the angelic trisagion. Uh, it's a prayer acknowledging the uh, glory and the majesty of the triune God and the Trinity and its power. Uh, I have my friend Isaac with me again. Uh, Isaac Housecat, thank you for joining me again. Happy to be here. Uh, you, you're coming on the show now for a, a, a second time proper, and as a result, we had to say a prayer together. It was—it's a prerequisite, I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, no problem. I think this was my first time actually doing a uh, non-Jewish prayer, like not one that wasn't in, in Hebrew. And um, I don't know, pretty good, pretty good, all things considered, you know. So.
0: I did get a, um, a Protestant to pray the Rosary with me too. So you know, it's 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 about bringing people out of their comfort zone and. Into into my comfort zone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of these days I'll get you uh, singing some some somatic hymns. How
0: about that? I would absolutely love that, yeah.
1: (laughs) If I can can remember any.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, today um, we're going to talk about Matthew 3, and hopefully we're going to get into a bit of Matthew 4. I don't know how long we're going to dwell on each particular section, but um, you are... um, Rapidly approaching the New Testament on your show Bible Buddies, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, I've been going through, yeah, uh, all, all the books of the Bible in order, cover to cover. One of the weir- weirder ways to do it, but anyway. So, I've yeah, basically finished the Old Testament at this point, and uh, soon I'm going to find out all about Jesus. Find out what he's about.
0: And you've you've had tickles of Jesus throughout the the later prophets, right? You've uh, you've seen little instances.
1: Yeah, he's he's been teased. There's been a bit of foreshadowing, which I didn't even realize was uh, foreshadowing until uh, you know you start reading through Matthew and the other other Gospels, I guess. Uh, and and suddenly, it, whoa! <laughs> they they have the footnotes and they bring out the footnotes and they say, actually, this is uh you know, or actually, Jesus will quote it and he'll say, oh, I'm doing basically what the prophet Isaiah said. And you go back and sure enough, it did say that.
0: So. Well, from what I understand, um, to give a little context, the, the Gospel of Matthew was actually written particularly for a Jewish audience. So it makes sense that they're using this uh, these texts that people would have been familiar with at the time as a way of backing up the story. Not that all the Gospels don't use uh, you know, Old Testament Scripture in some way or another, but in particular in the establishing of Jesus as, as the Christ— as the Messiah, and the establishing of his ministry, they they look back a lot on Old Testament prophets and saying, well, he said this, and he said this, and he said this, and guess what? It's happening, pal.
1: Yeah. And there's, I mean, I think it's interesting. I mean, I had to look this up because I was like, oh, wait, hold on. What's the, you know, basic history uh, here, everything surrounding this? Um, so this takes place in like the second temple period, right? That's when, you know, the time of Jesus. But Uh, When the Old Testament kind of leaves off, it's Ezra and Nehemiah, and the second temple has just been rebuilt. There's really nothing that takes, you know, that's uh, Old Testament stuff that's included there that happens uh, in between, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought that was like a relatively
0: short period of time. Turns out it's not. It's like four
1: or 500 years or more. You know, like that's yeah, second it's temple known as it. the
0: great the great silence. I guess amongst the sort of this um, this moment where God, it wasn't that God wasn't moving, and it wasn't that God wasn't like acting in certain things, but there wasn't really a major prophet that was speaking God's word like so many uh, had previously. And so, I guess it kind of makes sense that like it's the the quiet before the storm that like yeah. they were due for something really big. There were a lot of prophets roaming around at this time, saying, "I, I'm, I'm speaking, you know, I'm speaking God's word, or I'm, you know, I, you should follow me. I'm the one that I'm the prophet. I'm the one that you need to listen to." But um, we're gonna we're gonna learn a little bit more about John the Baptist today. Um, John the Baptist was very much a Old Testament style prophet. He was a wild eyed. Um, kind of crazy-looking, enthusiastic guy who just really wanted people to repent. Um, It's funny because you look at a lot of interpretations of this particular passage of Matthew, and you get a lot of folks, particularly on the more like ecstatic, um, evangelical, Christian side of things, who claim John... The Baptist as their own. And it's not entirely wrong. I mean, he was he was he was like as as much a warner of people like a barker on the street corner as he was like genuinely inspired by God and and speaking, you know, speaking God's word to these people so that they would be ready. But it was all in preparation. And this is what we're going to learn here.
1: Yeah. And he also, I mean, I guess spoilers for the Bible if anyone's still doing that, but, uh, and he, he suffers for it. Like, I mean, John gets beheaded later, right?
0: Yes. Yes, he does. It's, uh, it's awful.
1: Oh yeah. But this like, we, you know, uh, I, I can see why it's like that kind of exuberance. It's like you receive the exuberant kind of like exalting preaching, but also like, you know, the, I mean, I, I would argue a punishment that, you know,
0: Rivals Christ in a little bit, right? To, to be decapitated? He certainly he certainly rubbed people the wrong way in a lot of ways. And as a result, I think that he, he built up his own ministry. I mean, he had his own congregation. He had these people that were following him here and there. And, you know, as we'll actually see in three, the um, Pharisees and the Sadducees, who were kind of these competing groups of Jews at the time— actually both came to see John the Baptist and say, like, what is this guy's deal? So he was so far out of the mainstream that he was he was drawing these people away from these major groups, and the major groups had a, had a vested interest in making sure that that didn't happen. Uh, should we just—you want to dive in? Yeah. All right, let's do this thing. So uh, in Matthew 3, John the Baptist prepares the way. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So John was acting as like um acting as as like a medium for God, right, to to allow people to confess their sins and then baptizing them in that confession so that they could be cleansed. He wasn't saying that he was forgiving their sins. That was he.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, you know, the domain of of God himself, right? Like he couldn't uh claim to to really do that. I mean, it's it's actually interesting because I don't know what kind of sect or branch of Judaism or what exactly uh John was uh preaching at the time because like the notion of like Jewish baptism is something that is completely new to me because I mean, I guess at the, you know, time Christians weren't Really, a thing because Christ was, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. just was born. He was just He's around. Thoroughly
0: Greekized, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, the notion is like they that baptism means like it would, it predates him, and to me that's like uh, I've never heard of that. I just I had no clue that that was that was a thing, and also I never really, I mean, before this, like Pharisees and Sadducees, like you know, it only ever comes up in like the Christian context. So yeah, I guess in like that, yeah, with the great silence or whatever you have a lot of progressions where different uh, sects of Judaism, like they've kind of fractured, right? They've all like the practices have, have split off into their own different groups, uh, especially after, right, the um, uh, Alexander the Greek kind of conquered them, right? Uh, conquered Israel.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, the Pharisees who we hear, I think, a lot more about, in the New Testament, because of their particular um, interest in, in silencing Jesus, and you know, going back to the forgiveness of sins thing, that was something that they took particular issue with. When, um, like, when Jesus would heal the sick, or there was a, a paralytic that um, that was lower down into his chamber where he was where he was uh, preaching and praying, he he healed this man, and then he also said your sins are forgiven. And then they got really pissed off because that wasn't, it's okay to say that, you know, you're confessing your sins and you're unburdening yourself, but only God can forgive them. So that was something they took particular issue with. But the Pharisees were very like rule-based, super ultra-Orthodox kind of people that uh, that they were very, very smart, super, super well-versed in scripture and um, were kind of s- trying to segregate themselves from the way that the world had been going and the empires that had kind of taken over. Um, whereas the Sadducees, I think, were more like they were trying to integrate everyone into Judaism. They wanted to bring people in by um, integrating their culture uh, into but, Judaism.
1: <laughs> which the classic... Uh... The classic Orthodox versus Reform school. That's exactly
0: uh, it, right? It's almost like you oh can goodness. see it here, and it's continued on for the next. Uh,
1: next well, perfect. Years. Well, I'll just I'll just yeah, I'll just uh, like Control F and replace like when I see Pharisee, it's like oh, it's the book Jews and then the money Jews. Perfect, easy split. Very
0: yeah. Now what, I get it. And what I love about John the Baptist is he makes it clear that he's so far outside of this that. He sees them in verse seven, it says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the tree Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is a hellfire and brimstone type guy. I mean, he is saying to you, you two, even though you two have all the power, you both use your Judaism as a defense. You are all children of Abraham. Uh, God will not spare you. He's coming for you too.
1: No, he he really yeah he's, he's pointing the finger and he's not afraid to tell it like it is. And, um, yeah, I don't know. He's he's really not afraid
0: to make enemies. You got You got to love a guy that just is so, so uninterested in pleasing any of the, the powerful people at the time that. I mean, look, he he ate bugs. He was a bug eater. He's a weird guy. Uh, and and I, I think that thoroughly he had no interest in, in um, playing any kind of games to, to appease anyone. And what do we learn in the Bible when you don't play by other people's rules? You get killed. Yeah. You well, get your also- head chopped off or you get <laughs> crucified. Or- <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it's also I think it's interesting that it's like he's preaching in the wilderness of Judea, right? So he's in basically his territory. He's not in like the the cities where presumably they, you know, have a stronger kind of control. So it means this, the Pharisees and the Sadducees to come out and find him, you know, <laughs> to to come and uh, I guess either berate or stop him somehow or something. You know, like we, there's a wild guy going around and he's doing some some weird stuff near a river somewhere in these deserts. So, well,
0: I think find that speaks him. to <laughs> how how important he was at the time. He was really getting a lot of people on on board with like what he was saying. And I'm sure like these days where everyone is like a doomsday prophet and like the end is near and the end is coming and, um, you know, uh, God's coming back and, and the rapture and everything will turn into a ball of flame and so on and so forth. I think there were a lot of prophets at the time that were pretty much saying that, that were like, any day now, God's going to come back and it's going to be over for you, um, but he was saying not necessarily that. Uh, although he does threaten a sort of violence, <laughs> um, he he says that someone is coming who will make things right, which I find really interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's I mean, getting to the next part. Like I baptized. Well, can I can I read this? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So, they basically, yeah, <laughs> you're screwed. You, Pharisees, Sadducees, uh... <laughs> you know pick a god and pray to it you
0: will you'll perish in a way it's odd to me because he kind of got it wrong didn't he um like he he might have been overstating the degree to which jesus was coming to smite people um certainly he was there to expose the um the the false from the true and he was there to like to try to 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 try to plant good seeds and to create trees that would bear good fruit. And and I suppose in in that way, he would be burning the chaff, that he would be um, chopping down the trees that weren't bearing good fruit. But ultimately, like Jesus's message was to expand and open God's kingdom to people, to like welcome people into the family of God, where the, 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 Groups like Pharisees and Sadducees, who had been uh, had a vested interest in kind of like maintaining this is our order, this is the way that we do things. You can come into Judaism and we'll integrate your culture into Judaism, but it's still Judaism. Uh, And Jesus is like coming more to just like rewrite the whole thing and just say, look, we're going to keep the old rules. Don't get me wrong, but we're also going to create some new ones. Uh, We're going to do some new, some very new and exciting things. Yeah. I mean, like that's – so I'm
1: immediately, you know, when I read things like that, I, I kind of take the Bible or have been reading it as kind of like your uh, uh, standard, like high school English class kind of like – but what does he really mean, you know? <laughs> like uh, to me, the, the baptism is not literal. Like nothing's ever literal on the Bible, which I guess makes sense because Jesus speaks entirely in parables. But uh, with, you know, John even, he's like baptize you with Holy Spirit. He means like – by you, he means like you as a as a group, like a Pharisees, not as individuals, but as like your way of life. Like your um uh like notion of like, oh, like this is the the good way to live, right? Like what other alternative is there? We're the holiest ones here, right? And it's like, yeah, them being exposed is in a way kind of like burning them up and destroying them, right? Like you um if you have like the, the the Pharisees, for example, right, and then, you know, Christ shows them way and they abandon their ways, hypothetically, then that would be the destruction of the Pharisees, right? There wouldn't be anyone uh, following those, those rules or being within that kind of sect. They would all be Christians then. They'd be followers of Christ. And if that were to happen, they would be destroyed without them having been killed or died in a, a literal
0: fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this isn't a, uh, this isn't like a threatening of physical violence necessarily, but saying that literally like if we're going to picture the existing power structures or the existing church as it is as flawed as it is at the time as like a tree like Jesus is coming to chop down the tree yeah. um and and, I mean, and yeah. yeah i mean he he only wants the good the good trees to to bear the good fruit
1: yeah and that's, that's a thing that comes up as well. I mean, I don't, not in maybe so at least this chapter, but later on with uh, Jesus talking about uh, how he really is like preaching to kind of, um, or he, he draws a lot of comparisons to like Sodom and Gomorrah or like the Benjaminites or whatever, where it's like, uh, or I think even like the first temple or something, where it's like, oh, it's like the wicked cities, but like there are good people among them. And then, you know, just, just you have to... Um, like the, the the good must be spared, but also like the wicked must be cleansed, and that's just the way kind of like we'll sort out. And it's kind of uh, thinking about thinking about that or calling back to that. I guess it's a kind of concept of renewal, you know?
0: Yeah, and in a way, I think a lot of people were expecting the Messiah, the Christ, to be someone who would like come with a big sword and um, like destroy the enemies, and um, and that wasn't really Jesus's vibe. You know, he didn't really have any interest in literally slaying anyone. He just wanted to to make things right, um, or at least let people know that things could be right, even if, you know, in his time here, all he could do was open people's eyes and and open the door. You know, let the door open to the kingdom and the family, and say, well, here now, it's up to you guys to to figure this out on your own. Um. The baptism of Jesus comes next. But I want to f- sort of go back to just really, really quickly, and I'm I'm jumping between Bibles here because I want uh, to be faster than I am in flipping through the ESV. So in the NIV, the the verse they refer to at uh, 3, 3, about halfway through, uh, the voice of one crying in the wilderness is Isaiah 4. Uh, 40, chapter 40, verse 3. And it says in Isaiah chapter 40, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed and that her sin has been paid for and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, and this is is the voice, this is like setting up a, a dialogue. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And this is the NIV taking some liberties. Every valley shall raise shall be raised up, every mountain and hill shall be made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So again, we're seeing this. We're gonna unsettle everything. We're gonna upend everything and this is what john the baptist was doing
1: yeah and it's it's funny because like in in a way that kind of like the the notion of baptism right uh mirrors that of or i'm just like it kind of calls to mind like the flood right like the the flood with noah and so it's yeah. like oh it's like the, the same kind of uh procedure it's like yeah wipe away this in and then uh everything is cleansed and you know it's cleansed in water and it's cleansed in fire so it's funny that he has this message going on while like in the background.
0: It's also like people being being dunked. Uh, I heard one person refer to baptism as um, if you're put underwater, it's like a symbolic death. Is uh, you're dying with Christ and being reborn in Christ, um, which I thought is really interesting. Um, maybe not biblical necessarily, but like an interesting image to me.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, my, my understanding, like I was looking this up because, you know, baptism before Christ. Right. And it's like, yeah, the Christian one, it's like, I think a a one and done kind of deal. Whereas I think the kind that John the Baptist was doing was like a a regular, like, yeah, when you're confessing your sins and trying to cleanse yourself, it's like you, you know, go and you, uh, you confess and then you baptize and it's like, you're, I mean, not forgiven necessarily. Right. Like that's God can do that, but you know, you're clean, you're cleaned, you're uh, gone through your.
0: You're like literally clean and and existentially clean. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like there's a jump between 12 and 13 where this isn't necessarily like John the Baptist is giving the speech and then just then Jesus pops up. I think it's to say that like here's the sort of message that John was preaching. And um, we learn in the other Gospels that John is the cousin of Jesus— um, and that they actually met when when Mary was pregnant and John the Baptist's mother, I think it was Elizabeth, was pregnant. Um, they met each other and uh, leaped for joy at how excited they were to know each other in the mm. womb, which sounds very painful.
1: Oh my god, um,
0: that's awful. It, it, it
1: all, it all <laughs> it no, it's just—I it, mean, from a narrative point of view, it's it's like. And they were friends as babies. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play fast and loose with what I, you know, like I, I don't want to do this necessarily with, with the Bible. Like oh, I'll just pick and choose what I believe in. But I am, I'm going to consciously not. I'm gonna choose not to believe that they were friends as, as in the womb. Friends in the womb. Well, they, <laughs> and then they met they, each other. <laughs>
0: Babies. <laughs> the uh, they they were like spiritually connected, but there's no evidence, I don't think, in any of the gospels that they actually knew each other as children or had any had any experiences together as children. Yeah. Just well, we're that all, there was we all bound. One. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, we're all bound by some kind of fate, right? And you can say like, oh, Jesus is saying like, surely you're all my brothers and sisters and mothers and stuff, right? Like that, I'll I'll believe. But like the notion <laughs> that they're like especially. I don't know. Like, I like the
0: idea that they were just like good friends. Well, how else would how else would John the Baptist, having never met Jesus before, Jesus comes up to get baptized? How else would he know when Jesus comes up? Like, oh shit! Like, here we go. Like, oh. This is the guy, right? Let me read this because this is this will give us some context. At verse thirteen, it says, "Then Jesus came from Galilee to uh, to the Jordan to uh, to John to be baptized by him." this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So John saw Jesus and immediately was like, uh, I don't know that I'm qualified for this. Like, I think maybe maybe you should be the one that's doing the baptizing.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe if Jesus was glowing at the time and had a halo, that might have. I don't know that he
0: did. I mean... You know, yeah, most of these nothing, people were very dirty. They they were just wandering around. And Jesus, as we learn in 4, which we probably won't get to, but maybe we can come back to it a little oh, bit right. in your I'm episode. Yeah. But, um, but Jesus was just, I mean, by all appearances at this time, he was just a human. Before he got dipped in the water, no one had any idea this, that the sky would open up um, and God would speak. I mean, obviously there were... There were people that knew of Mary, and that Mary maintained that she had been a virgin, and that she was, um, that she was, uh, pregnant via the Holy Spirit, and that she had never, you know, she was, she gave birth to this child without ever having had sex. Then, like that, I'm sure was in some way knowledge to some people, but I don't think anybody really knew that. Like this guy was going to come up and then the sky would open up.
1: Well, even then it's possible that people didn't know that because they had to flee a couple times. Like I think, uh, and, and like they moved around a bunch, like they had to flee to Egypt, like right after Jesus was born or even before. No, just after. And then uh, they stayed there for a while and then they came back to Nazareth and then he lived there for a, a while and then left and went somewhere else like they they moved around a bit, so I mean maybe word got around I just I like to think that it's like a more reasonable explanation than you know they met as babies, and John being like, "Oh, I remember you
0: uh, <laughs> uh, yeah I mean maybe he knew of of Jesus, I mean, it wasn't like babies though, like literally it was like they were both in the womb at the time, and but this is like one of those things in that particular passage. You see passages like that all the time in the Gnostic Gospels and in some of the the Gospels that get left out of the canonical Bible. There's all kinds of mystical kind of odd happenings like that that almost seem like a little bit whimsical. They don't seem like they really go along with the very serious tone of what's going on in the Bible, like a a baby leaping in the womb is kind of funny. Um, But... It is. It is like this odd. Okay, so it's not in Matthew, and maybe there's a reason why it's not in Matthew. That that they were somehow linked before they met up here in the Jordan, but uh, it is definitely like certain that John knew as soon as Jesus was approaching. Like, this is the guy. Oh no, Yeah. Uh, so there's a passage here in 17 that I want to I want to linger on for a second. Because doubt, I think people that were at the time doubting Jesus, or even now people who would read the Bible critically and say, well, he couldn't, have. maybe maybe he didn't mean that. Maybe he didn't jump for joy in the womb. Uh, In verse 17, says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. There is, like, scriptural cases of, people being referred to as like sons and daughters of God. Like being part of the family of God doesn't necessarily mean that someone is directly the son of God in the way that Jesus is portrayed as the son of God, right?
1: Yeah, no, this is, and also God typically does not speak to people. Like I think the last person he spoke really directly to was, uh, I mean, I think Moses was the last person who saw him. And then, yeah, maybe like Elijah, I think was the last person who spoke Directly to God Or they had You know A little conversation But generally He only communicates Through dreams Right Yeah All the Uh, prophets Were
0: basically just like Relaying the word That they felt
1: Yeah Like God spoke Through them But it's not He didn't come out When you open up The heavens to say hello So this is like It's a It's a big deal (laughs) Like I mean I don't know I, I mean I think That's kind of like The importance Of being familiar With the Old Testament Is like yeah You really understand When you see like one the baptism, it's like whoa, okay, so that's new and that's different. And then also God speaking is like whoa, that's that's actually that's huge. That's that's uh, you know uh, a minor throwaway line, I guess. If you're if you're just reading uh, the the New Testament, you're like, yeah, of course God speaks to people. Why wouldn't he? You know, why wouldn't like uh, and also like the notion of the devil, which you know comes up a lot in in Matthew and thus so far, right? Like the devil plays a role. Uh, that's also new in mm-hmm. the Old Testament. I think he's mentioned like three times, like Satan, and even that is like kind of translated as like, oh, he's like the adversary, not really a you know a <laughs> devil-like figure. He's just kind of like he's one of God's angels who just uh, maybe is a bit, I don't know, like sarcastic and edgy or something, but he's not. Uh, he's not trying to ruin your life and drag you to hell for eternal torture, you know.
0: Yeah, I think this is why four warrants, like Matthew 4 warrants its own episode, because the portrayal of Satan, uh, which is not—I think most people think of Satan as like a proper noun or um, a a specific person that's being addressed. But I, I listened to—there's a really, really great—I uh, guess you'd call it a lecture, but it's put into a podcast by Tim Mackey, who does the Bible Project. And he did a—, a A a lecture on uh, Matthew three into four, and he talks about Jesus's temptation, and he says, "Well, Satan wasn't a proper noun. Satan wasn't uh, a person. Satan was a word for the enemy or the adversary. So uh, this was someone who was like coming to Jesus and saying, "Uh, can, I can best you. I can beat you.' And based on what he does in four, with bringing up scripture." Like bringing up all of these old passages in scripture and saying it's written that this, it's written that this, it's written that this, and then Jesus always has like a, it's like a little part, you know, they're it's like a little parlay, they're kind of, um, they're kind of playing with these verses back and forth until eventually, uh, the enemy is vanquished, uh, which is, I mean, it's just super fascinating, um, yeah, and it's also it's interesting because it's like, like the temptation there, it's
1: like oh, it's making what is uh, internal, external, right? Like you have like these temptations, like, oh, let's say theoretically I can just turn rocks into bread, you know, and I'm hungry. Why yeah. wouldn't you, uh, why wouldn't you do that? It's like, oh, you're hungry and you can do that power. Like what, like, uh, what, what could be the harm? Right. Uh, <laughs> and normally that would be you speaking with yourself, but like with this kind of invention of like uh, an adversary or an enemy or like a devil, uh, you can kind of externalize that and it can be something you can fight against as opposed to like you kind of fighting with yourself where it's like, how do you have any purchase there? And it's also when you're able to separate them, then you can kind of co- conceive of uh, yourself as being either fundamentally good or, you know, the very worst, like a neutral figure who can go either way as opposed to like one who must contain
0: both or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess since we're, since we're veering into this, let's talk a little bit about it. We probably won't dig as much into this as, as, as I want to. But um, for context, we're moving into four now. And Jesus has been baptized. And then all of a sudden, he just kind of wanders into the wilderness. Uh, he has this moment where the sky opens up. The Spirit descends on him like a dove and says, this is the guy, this is the Messiah, this is the Christ. I hope you're all ready for this. And then uh, Jesus <laughs> Jesus is led not by temptation, uh, not by evil, but by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. So God knew what this trial would come of. It's, it's almost like a test for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, you are 100% man. You're 100% God. Uh, will you be able to go out into the wilderness and be tempted for this long without sin without giving in and if you if you can then you you start the ministry because it he doesn't come back and start preaching until after this uh should i just read a couple of lines here so we know we were talking about bread and stones uh i should probably just read it right yeah okay um so chapter four says then jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. No kidding. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he's so hungry. 40, I think is significant because of the, the, um, the exile, right?
1: Yeah, it's that's like 40, a connection, 40 years direct the, connection. Forty years in the desert, but also uh, uh, forty days and forty nights with Noah, and there are a bunch of forties throughout. Like in Judges, every time that Israel uh, is sinful, uh, it gets destroyed, and the Jews are conquered for about forty years, and then um, they pray really hard, and God appoints a judge to save them. And then they are uh, extra repentant, and you know they're saved, and they reclaim Israel, and they're uh, follow God's commandments for forty years, and they live in prosperity. And then they forget, they're conquered, and it repeats. But like forty is a, um, it's an important number because apparently it's not like an exact thing because it translates to roughly at the time, like it just means a lot, right? It means like a generation, yeah, or like uncountable. It's kind of like how in. Um, pre-numeric, or not pre-numeric, but, like, there are, like, a lot of, like, African tribes where it's, like, they, uh uh when they're counting, they have words for, like, one, two, three, and then after that, it's many. Uh, and that just has to do with, like, when you're looking at objects, like, you can easily, we can discern, like, one and three from each other easily. But when you get to four, got to, like, stop and count, <laughs> right? But realistically, how often are you going to need, you know, to count that much? So, like, there aren't, you know, many words for it. It's just like, oh, it's just many. Like, what's the difference between you know, back then, thirty-eight and like forty-three or fifty, you know, or mm-hmm. seventy. It, it really there's a certain point where it's it, it all starts to blend together into like eh, a long time.
0: It's a whole bunch, yeah. Yeah.
1: Can I actually uh, read? So he talks about like, "Man shall not live on bread alone," which is uh, Deuteronomy, and uh, yes, first little bit. Yes, please
0: do.
1: All the commandment which I command uh, you this day shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go. And uh, possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep the commandments or not, and humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but that man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord." Yeah.
0: yeah. So for we have Jesus, like, bringing up Scripture first, right? Yeah. And then we have uh, a very weird kind of, like, uh, cinematic style. We're switching scenes real quick. Uh, verse 5, it says, The devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written... He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. He's referring here to uh, Psalms 91 11 and 12. So uh, the enemy hears Jesus referring to scripture and goes, All right, well, we can do this. We can play it this way. Like, if you are this, then how about this verse? Why can't you save yourself if you throw yourself off the top of a temple?
1: Yeah, and it's also anyone who debates that uh, Jesus isn't a Jew. It's like here he is playing, uh, he's playing
0: lawyer games with the devil, you know, <laughs> and one of the most Jewish things that anyone man could possibly do. It's, uh... I mean, he did love rules. He made up all kinds of new rules, too. I mean, he, he, he didn't just um, recite the rules and, and the scriptures that are already met in place, but he, he made them actually more specific and more difficult to follow.
1: No, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's also like the you know, we get into some stuff where it's like the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law of God. I mean, that's a big thing in Matthew. That comes up a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> another time, another another
0: hour, another episode. Another, another hour I- and a half. Three yeah. hour, <laughs> three hour episode. Saturday, 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 Saturday. Yeah, we'll mention we'll mention this again because uh, if at any point it feels like we're moving uh, briskly through this, um, Isaac and I are going to be going through the entire uh, book of Matthew. If we can do it, if we can can muster the strength, tempted as we may be by the enemy, um, we are going to be going through the whole thing on Bible Buddies. So uh, I would invite everyone to to listen to that. But I wanted to mention an odd thing that I noticed in this that I think some other people have definitely written on, that the temptations here— that the challenges that Satan is or that evil is um, bringing to Jesus are based on questioning his identity, like uh, like cutting his legs out from underneath him. Like you think you're this, well, then how about this? So he's not just um, he's not just trying to tempt him with average everyday sin. Uh, he's not just putting lustful things in front of him or. Um, you know tempting him to be um, to be uh, violent or to be you know wrathful or jealous or whatever he's um, he's questioning he's making Jesus question himself which is like the I think the the best way to challenge Jesus right because at this point he hadn't established his ministry he hadn't he hadn't brought together all of these apostles and these followers and people who were just laying at his feet, listening to him, listening to him preach, because uh, he he obviously had a very uh, like strong command for words and for scripture, and he was a very compelling speaker. Um, he had to be. He had to reinforce his his identity and his mission within himself in order to gain the confidence to go out and do what he wound up doing. Yeah, but that's a, uh, I guess where we probably. I'm going to read through the last of. Uh, going to read through the last of this section of four, but then I think we should probably pause because we'll get too we'll get too far in, and well, we have to leave some material for our. Yeah. For our. I epic. mean, I,
1: I will leave with one uh, one of my own little takes about Jesus in the wilderness. Once we kind of finish, uh, I guess four eleven here. So I'll let you okay. you do that. And-
0: so uh, at verse seven, Jesus said to him, "Again, it is written." you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. This again is Deuteronomy 6, 16. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me as though as though Satan had any power to give these kingdoms to Jesus, right? That it was never a realistic thing. And I think Jesus knew that, but um verse 9 and he said to him all these king uh, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me and then Jesus said to him be gone satan for it is written you shall worship the lord your god and him only shall you serve then the devil left him and behold angels came and were ministering to him so he uh, he beat the level right yeah. he beat the final Thomas. boss of this level
1: yeah, he was teased. He was teased in the wilderness by Satan for a bit.
0: <laughs> I mean, anyone I think that witnessed the things that like Satan was putting forth to Jesus, any normal person would have been like, "Oh, I can do this. <laughs> uh, I can have all of the kingdoms." Uh. Yeah. Yeah, bro, let's
1: do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's funny because like the way that I interpreted this is like, I was like, so Jesus is basically the kingdom of Israel made into man, right? So you have uh, led into the wilderness, uh, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. That's your 40 years. Uh, the tempter, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread, which is a thing that I granted the people of Israel did do. They were like, oh God, you led us into the desert. Why? Uh, just like the spirit led the people of Israel out of Egypt, right? Exodus. Uh, what Like, we we need food. We're hungry. And, you know, God says, like, he's pissed at them. He's like, do you think I would lead you out there and do all this work just to kill you in the desert and let you starve? Uh, and he does give them the manna and eventually he splits uh, a rock open and also gives them water. Uh, but like how, how it's supposed to be played out is like man shall not live on bread alone. It's like, you know, through the mouth of God. By just obeying God, he will take care of you. Mm. Don't ask him for things, which leads to the second point. If you're, you know, um, if you are the son of God, or if you are like the chosen people, if you're chosen of of God, if you're Israel, right? Don't put your Lord to the test. He hates that. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, like Exodus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. Every time they ask him for things, or ask him like, "Oh God, we you know no longer believe in you," or like, "Ah, you know, like." I, I love the idea of following you, which is like, I, wanna, I want a little bit more. I want something, like, give me something to wet my whistle here. I want to get my beak wet a bit. Uh, show me a miracle. <laughs> show me, like, a big flashing light or, you know, a raver light show or, like, make some water come out from the rocks or, like, slay these enemies for me. And every time that uh, people ask him for that, like, God has killed people for asking him to do that. Like, in numbers, I think that happens, like, five or six times where priests will you know be like uh, uh don't listen to moses here we're going to ask god for something and if god doesn't provide then we'll uh take all of our people who we've convinced to leave and then god basically just uh makes the earth open up and then it eats the the you know uh rebellious priests and then they continue on their way <laughs> but yeah so don't uh, don't test him because that's also not the definition of faith right and then finally you have uh the third thing which is uh, high mountain, all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor, uh, bow down and worship me. That's the other thing that God really, really does not like. So remember how I mentioned in like Judges or, you know, like the Benjaminites or whatever, whenever uh God punishes the kingdom of Israel or Israel and Judea, it's because they started worshiping Baal or Ishtar or like Mephisto or any of the other gods of the Canaanites and like intermarrying and stuff. It's when they start... um thinking like, oh, yeah, like I could just take all this for granted. Like I can have God's blessings and all of this. Or I could just have, you know, so long as we uh, submit to, I don't know, the rule of the king that's ruling over us, right? Uh, let's say you're conquered by uh, the Babylonians, the Assyrians. We'll just worship their gods. And like, you know, we get to be a part of their kingdom, their glorious kingdom. And, of course, that's, you know, God hates that too. And mm-hmm. he, the people are always punished for it. Like, I mean, that's, uh, it comes up, like, I know it comes up in the Book of Esther where like a big thing is like the... Um, I guess Esther's uncle or whatever it refuses to bow down or actually i think daniel is another one where it happens where it's like oh just bow down to me if you don't bow down to me i'll kill you because i'm the king you know uh where it's not just like a temptation it's like oh yeah like we can live in within this empire and be happy and have our families and keep our businesses or do whatever we do in this uh kingdom of the world uh but, yeah, all we have to do is, like, you know, put up a little statue to the king and pray to it once a day or something. Yeah, no problem. Like, that's easy mode. That's easy. I can do that. Uh, but, you know, away from me, Satan. Worship your God only.
0: <laughs> well, like, G- Jesus is, um, yeah, so Jesus is being tempted with all of the classic, like, pitfalls of what the, like, the Judeans had fallen into, right? What what the Jews had basically been Failing at for years and years and years, and he stands up to the test.
1: Yeah, like he, no, exactly. He passes it's, the test. This is the ideal, the the um, uh, ideal Jew, like which if you sets were the, more the
0: yeah, yeah the ideal man really, because he he sets himself apart from every man that would have been tempted to give in to these uh, to these offers, uh, and he goes, "Be gone, Satan!" Which is actually turning it turns into a catchphrase for him. He uses this at other points in the New Testament. Be gone, Satan. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear this anymore. Talk, I, to the, I, talk to the hand.
1: Talk to the hand, Satan. <laughs> I, I I love that. I I love that phrase. Just uh, be gone, Satan. No way from me, Satan. <laughs> no more. It's, it's just fun to say. Like, I can understand why people, uh, I guess, chant or love shouting it or, I don't know, repeat lines like that. Tempt me no more, Satan.
0: (laughs) It is really funny to me knowing uh, that about, like, the context about the the name of Satan or the the word Satan, why it is still capitalized in most all uh, translations of the Bible. Like, if if that is not a specific name for a specific thing, like, why is this? As though, like, God is capitalized, right? And Jesus is capitalized, like, names proper, proper names and titles are capitalized. Like Satan is just, he's just the tempter. This is just yeah. some guy that wants you to fail.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's just you. It's just the voice inside of you that, you know, wants to take like the easy path, wants to take the wide gate, wants to, you know, kick your feet up. And uh, yeah, we, you know, we love succumbing to that, don't we?
0: Well, yeah. But, and I think maybe that's like the root of some of the identity kind of based attacks is that like we... We know who we are as human beings. We're flawed. We give in. We give in to all kinds of sin, like, all the time. So it would take a special kind to be like, yeah, no, you're right. I'm not the son of God. I just just give me the bread, all right? I'm hungry. Yeah. No,
1: and, and this is exactly, it's like, what if, you know, you you really were perfect and you managed to, to do everything? Like, this is what you would be. You would be the guy who uh, rejects Satan, says, wait for me, Satan, and then uh, turns— you know, uh, one bread into many breads and one fish into many fishes and walks on water. Like, you would be that guy. That's who you, you, what you would become. You know, it's who you could be.
0: <laughs> man, there's so many miracles that we're going to talk about when we, when we go over Matthew. There's yeah. so many.
1: <laughs> it's, it's really astounding, actually. He crams in more miracles than, yeah, than, than pretty much anyone.
0: I mean, G- uh, Jesus is the man, man. He, uh, he rocks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's. uh, I'm not. I'm not joking when I say that. By the way, I I laugh because it sounds stupid when I say stuff like that uh, in a modern, in in sort of like a modern tongue. But like genuinely, it's hard to read this stuff and not get really excited about the prospect of about God, uh, about the prospect of God existing as a man on Earth and all of the possibilities. And I don't think Jesus disappoints. I think that he. I think he comes through. There are points where he could have like shot laser beams out of his eyes, and probably done all kinds of like weird magic tricks and stuff. But ultimately, like he really he follows through with the power that he's been given.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also funny because there are all these little instances where I'm starting, like I'm looking at. It, I'm like, wait, did Jesus actually even do anything there? Like, there are all these points where, and we're gonna we're gonna get into this, but might as well just run it over. Uh, where uh, it'll be like the Centurion, right? And he's like, oh, like. Uh, you know, my friend or husband or whatever is sick, uh, paralyzed, and they need to be cured. And Jesus says, okay, well, then I'll, you know, uh, I trust you. I'll go over there or something like that. And then so she says, no, all you have to do is say that you will uh, cure him and and he will be cured because that's, you know, what he believes in. That's how strong his faith is, is you simply have to say that you will and then it'll <laughs> happen. Like there are all these instances where – It'll be like, oh, like, you know, you, you don't. Jesus doesn't even have to touch me. Just the knowledge that he could touch me is is enough to cure people. Right. Because that's what they believe in. It's like a kind of ye of little faith thing. Like with uh, Jesus on the water. And I think I can't remember if it it's Peter or something. Yeah. Once you come out in the water mm-hmm. and uh, he thinks he's going to fall. And he sure enough, he does. Right. He makes it happen. If only you believed, if you truly did believe you'd be able to walk on water, you'd be able to do it.
0: Yeah, you know? but then Jesus like is on the water and he like pulls Peter up like back out of the- <laughs> so he's drowning. Yeah. So it's not that there's not a miracle happening there. Although oh, yeah, I there, mean, his there is a miracle. Was-
1: <laughs> well, because my understanding is it's just it's it's uh, a kind of representation to like um, not like oh you could be you know son of God, but just like this is uh, if your faith in God is strong enough, really. Um, I don't know. It's like Jesus is acting as kind of like a conduit. He like allows people to believe that, that uh, God will, will listen to them. Right. Like God will allow something. Some of the
0: less direct miracles are just like, yeah. Are you believing? Do you, do you have the right heart? Do you have the right mind?
1: Yeah, and Then then what you're looking for
0: is going to come to you.
1: Yeah. And he says, like Jesus says, like as you believe or as your faith permits, so it will be or something like that, you know? Like I, I, he's been paraphrasing, but that's like generally the gist of it. it is like, yeah, if you, uh, if your faith is strong enough, man, that's, you can,
0: there's a lot that will come to you. I mean, on a personal note, uh, I kind of agree with that because like having spent the last like year and a half kind of like reconnecting with faith and like kind of coming to terms with what it means for me. The stronger that I feel about what I feel, that faith in God, like things just seem to get better. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- could be a lucky streak. I don't know. It, it could be. Well, I think that the funny thing
1: is, like, I think if your faith in if your faith in God is really strong, like you want it basically to be the point where. Uh, it doesn't matter if anything good ever happens to you again, you're happy because you believe in God and you believe that he's there for you. And right like right, with the point where you don't need or even want good things to happen, then they just start happening. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't possibly want it. Like if there's a part of you that's like, I'm just going to believe in God, so good stuff happens and won't happen. You have to reach the point where you either, you, you know, you don't care. Like it's not even like, oh, I want bad things to happen to me to see how bad it'll get. You have to be like, yeah, you know what? Actually, just believing in God is enough. If you have that kind of faith... Then, yeah, good things will happen, but it won't even really matter because you know, like they—you uh, won't value you, those things anymore. You, you won't value them. You would have been happy if they didn't because you love God so much and He loves you. Yeah, that's that's kind of the catch twenty two about it. But I mean, <laughs> hey, it seem it seems to work. That's that's the fucked up thing about it is that it it seems <laughs> to be that uh, when you no longer want or need something, that's when you get it. You know, when you want it.
0: The as, yeah
1: no wanting things is uh, uh, whatever the opposite of prerequisite or necessary is to getting them it's an impediment <laughs> wanting
0: things is an impediment to getting them uh, yeah I mean there's a real lesson there I think um, wow uh, this was I mean this really just made me very excited to to do this marathon uh, Matthew Sesh with you in a, in a week or two here.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I guess it depends when things are released. I don't know. I was when just, thinking, yeah, I was just when considering better. dumping all of the episodes just so I can just jump to it. But yeah, <laughs> whatever. At some point in time, there will be an episode that is released where we we do uh, what three hours or twelve it could hours. Be,
0: yeah, who knows? It could be it could six be, hours, twelve,
1: twenty four hours of podcasting, twenty four hours of Jesus talk. A That'd marathon be a fun little, of
0: Jesus. That would be a fun little Twitch chat thing, eh? Can you imagine? Oh, hey! Now we're talking. Sound off in the comments if you want <laughs> us to do a Twitch chat. Yeah, uh, that's oh, actually not Lord. a bad idea. I think that, like, uh, although I feel like that's like inviting the trolls. Maybe, I, maybe I should
1: Well, you know what? Satan I will welcome that. The I trolls, think. the trolls need to hear the message. The people who are already, be- the people who believe. They like they can read the book. They've already read it hundreds of times. Yeah. But it's the trolls who want to come and say slurs. Those are the people who need to hear this the most because those are the people who are, are hurting the most inside and you know need to need they need a hug, a virtual hug. And and they need to donate uh $500. To-
0: <laughs> they need to go to the Bible Buddies Patreon and donate $500. Yeah.
1: I mean that's that's if we save them. If we don't then, you know, <laughs> it's up in the air. But uh <laughs> trolls, if you're listening.
0: <laughs> God loves you. Yeah. Uh Jesus loves you and He forgives you no matter yeah. what slurs you say online. Uh but stop saying them. Uh <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah.
1: <laughs> I I I don't uh, endorse that, but yeah, I mean I'm pretty... <laughs> oh, God. Uh
0: okay. Well, I should jump into our poem here. Thank you so much for. For joining me again. I'm sure you'll be back uh, again sometime soon. I hope so.
1: I'd love to come on. Our conversations, I think, are really good.
0: We're going to do a really, we'll do like a really obscure letter next time, something that's really, uh, seems really Mm. obscure and and, um, irrelevant to anything. And and we can (laughs) do one of the,
1: We'll do one of the cut books of the Bible, like uh, the Book of Maccabees or something. The ones oh, that no one really yeah,
0: that's an interesting one. <laughs> like yeah, I've that. actually
1: heard that Maccabees is good. It's like, and no one really reads it because it's not part of the canon, really. And even in like the uh, Jewish, like the Tanakh, it's like, I, I don't know whether it's technically in there or not. I mean, it is, you know, Hanukkah, right? It's where Hanukkah comes from. But in all of my time of going to synagogue, which is not a lot, granted, but doesn't really, you know, doesn't really seem to come up the actual text of it. <laughs> it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, hey, do you ever wonder why we do the, seven, the eight candles? And it's like, eh, sort of, sure. Why not? Read it out. But it's, yeah, it's a minor holiday. It's a minor book.
0: But it could be a fun one to go through. I think that that's, that's what I've been really digging lately. Like, of course, the classics are the classics. And, and you gotta you got to focus on those. But I just did a really fun episode about Titus. Titus. With Grant from Contra Gentiles. And it was just like this. Uh, it, I picked it because it it spoke to me in a weird way, but it's such a bizarrely small uh letter that focuses on a very specific thing and and it was actually a joy to like go through it and, and to, Wait, was, to dive was into t- it.
1: Titus the one where it's uh Paul telling whoever, like, oh, these are people who are like um it's that port city where they're all pirates.
0: Uh, uh yeah, uh Cretans, okay, yes. Cretans, there Titus we go. Is, yes, <laughs> Titus yeah, I listen, is. I listened to that. Paul episode. speaking really like. to Titus about dealing with the the people from Crete. Yeah,
1: oh, I love listening to that episode. That was a really fun one. But I mean, you're right. It is like a weird, really weird, funny little letter. Well, yeah, you've
0: you know got to meet people where they are, not uh, not where you want them to be. You got to focus on any book in the Bible that's only like three pages long, because it had to have been important enough. That it got included, even if it's only three pages long. But just like Habakkuk, and yeah. we just talked about Habakkuk. So yeah, uh, so yeah, I look forward to that too. But um, do you want to plug? You want to plug your socials or anything?
1: Oh yeah. Um, so I uh, sexist House cat, It's um, at sexist housecat on Twitter, uh, and I do a podcast called Bible Buddies, which is also on Twitter at Bible Buddies Pod. It's a podcast where I am reading the Bible uh, cover to cover, depending on when you listen to this episode. If you're listening to this episode like two years from now, I will have been long finished and maybe working on another podcast. Uh, who knows? Probably not. But we'll see. Uh, but hopefully the Twitter will still be active and you can back listen to all the episodes in a backlog.
0: Anyway. Yeah, it's a, it's a good listen and um, it's much funnier than my show. So, uh, <laughs> well, thank it, you. Then, it, well, I mean, you know, credit where credit's due. But uh, it's very ambitious, and I appreciate you coming on. Um, Thanks for having me on.
1: I can't wait uh, to see what we do next. can't wait to see what you you pick for me to to come and read. Life is an adventure, isn't it? It it really is. (laughs) It's wild and and wacky and full of uh, little temptations and so forth.
0: Well, the poem today is by William Stafford. Uh, It is called The Way It Is. There's a thread you follow... It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. People wonder about what you are pursuing. You have to explain about the thread, but it is hard for others to see. While you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen, people get hurt or die, and you suffer and get old. Nothing you can do can stop times unfolding. You don't ever let go of the thread. Thanks, everybody.